Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. All right, here we go. Rolling on in the 4 o'clock hour. Adam Candy's here. Ari's in the Finley Toyota Studios. So when we put together our rankings around the NFL, uh, there wasn't much argument except for one guy, and he's not in today, on how the Bills are going to do this year. We have him as a top five team in the league. So we turn to a guy who is like Buffalo through and through, even a UB grad. Matt Perino covers the Bills for Syracuse.com. What's up, Matt? What's up, guys? How are you? Are you uh, euphoric today after the uh, big Buffalo victory last night against Wagner? Yeah, I'm flying high. It was uh, <laughs> flying high. It, it, I don't know. Like it, it, I tell people this all the time. When you cover pro sports for a living, you kind of lose a little bit of that enthusiasm. But no, yeah, it's cool to see them get after it there uh, yesterday against beat up on Wagner. Uh, are they going to be good without their coach? Uh, their coach moving on to Kansas, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it looked good last night, so we'll see. Um, I really like their running back. Kevin Marks was behind uh, Jared Patterson for all those years, who got all those, all the national hype, and rightfully so. Patterson's awesome. Made a Washington 53. Uh, but Marks is a guy that almost transferred, and he's somebody to watch. Like, I, I think he's going to put up big numbers. Matt Perino's with us. He covers the Buffalo Bills. All right, let's get into the Bills. First of all, um, are they going to be copacetic behind the scenes? Have we worked out the COVID stuff? Listen, Cole Beasley's been outspoken, but I think the story that a lot of people have missed nationally is that there's been some sniping back and forth on both sides of the vaccine issue on social media with Bill's players. Yeah, that was a, you know, I think there definitely was some sniping at the start. I mean, the Jerry Hughes, Cole Beasley thing, um, they downplayed it for sure. Um, but what's made it really interesting is, like, you have just these two factions that are, are, super dug in on the stance. I mean, Cole Beasley has a lot of support of his teammates, even though there is, a, a, I think, a rising number of players that are getting vaccinated. Isaiah McKenzie, who's been outwardly um, supportive of Beasley, uh, just announced that he got vaccinated um, after, you know, uh, being staunchly against it. And then Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, I mean, they, they banged the drum all offseason long about how important it is to to do it, and I think they kind of, without saying as much, as much as like Ron Rivera did in Washington, they kind of just threw their hands up and said, listen, we've educated these guys as much as we can. We're just going to try to put our heads down. They know the they know the consequences if, if something bad happens. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Beasley was, I, I personally liked Cole Beasley. Like, I, I've had interactions with him in the locker room going back to 2019 as a journalist, as somebody that talks to these guys every day. I've enjoyed all my conversations with him. I mean, there's some stuff that I think he's, He's wrong about, but he's obviously pretty settled in. So they got to figure out uh, a way to get through this season and not have him make this be a problem. They seem pretty confident he does anyway that they can they can make it work. But we'll find out. I guess that brings me to a question about Josh Allen that I that maybe not on the field, maybe it's an off the field thing because so much was made last year of the leap that Josh Allen took to become. Um, one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, sometimes that comes with the, being the locker room leader, and sometimes it doesn't. But 
is this a situation where Josh Allen and or someone else as a leader of the locker room needs to bring these guys together? Because you just said, understandably, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean at some point throw their hands up. And it feels like one of those things where the players almost have to bring themselves together as much as any coach or executive could. Yeah, it's it's tricky because they don't really let you in too much, like the player side of things. Like, you know, I know, you know, just based on like his wife, Rachel Bush, Jordan Poyer, I would imagine is is kind of aligns with Cole Beasley a bit. He hasn't said as much, and that's the thing. When we've asked some of these guys about it, they they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about their vaccination status. Josh Allen kind of refused to to let us know. So did Jordan Poyer, and so you know. I, I think that it's kind of a thing where, you know, their support, they're rallying around Cole Beasley in a lot of ways. And who else, whoever else on this team isn't vaccinated? I mean, Star Latulale, a guy who opted out in 2020, was a close contact for a staff member that popped last week. And he had to be out of the building for five days, along with Beasley. Gabriel Davis, who's a second-year young fourth-round draft pick wide receiver, who's also obviously aligned uh, with, with Cole Beasley in the thinking, and, and Vernon Butler as well. And you know, you don't really understand the thinking. So I think that, you know, they think that this, there's there's a maturity, there's a, a unity in the locker room. I mean, they are a close group. I mean, you go back and, you know, a lot of the success they had last year, I think, was because of that. Um, and they think that's going to push them through. But, you know, I think that even the people that are supportive, the one thing that I'll go back to is Cole Beasley gets it, he gives it to somebody. However that all transpires, I think that, emotions around this thing could change a little bit. Certainly some potential for volatility there. Uh, To the on-field questions about Josh Allen here, Matt, uh, I read some really good analysis in the offseason talking about not only how Josh Allen improved, but how Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, adapted to some of the analytic improvements that he could make and some of the strengths of, of Josh Allen. Is there another level for Josh Allen? Is there another step for him to take, or is that just a matter now of maintaining what he did last year? I think there's two things that I'd bring up when talking about what the next step for him is. I think, first of all, he's still got to try to tame the beast within when it comes to the emotional side of things when he plays the game. I mean, he just he gets hyped up. He plays Frank Sinatra before games. That's worked a lot of the time. And I think last year, not dealing with with road crowds, I think probably helped him a little bit. He, he talked about it on a recent podcast, how the Kansas City game, even at 25,000 or whatever it was, it, it impacted things. It made him change things a little bit and kind of have to tame that thing a little bit differently. So part of it's a, a mental thing. And then they pinpointed one area of his game in the offseason that they thought they think he's got to be better at, and that's that short inbreaker route, you know, 8 to 16 yards, and a guy like Stephon Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, who comes in from New Orleans, those are guys that they'll find openings in a zone. They'll beat one-on-one man coverage. You just got to get the ball to them, and you got to get it to them quick. And we saw in the Green Bay game, they're playing against backups, so you don't want to overreact to it. But they threw they threw it 15 straight times in the preseason, like to open the game, and a lot of that work was coming in that short to intermediate range. And you know, if 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 that's something that's going to be how they attack teams this year, where you know you Josh is actually hitting some of those tougher, shorter throws, which I think is where he struggled a little bit more last year than maybe even was covered, that's when I feel like you unlock a whole other piece of it because that opens up the deep part of the field, too. And I think Sanders will unlock a lot of that because I think he brings some downfield attack like John Brown did, but at the same time, he's much more well-rounded 
as a in terms of his style. Like he plays more physical. Like I think John Brown a lot of times got bodied at the line of scrimmage, and you lost him on the play. You saw that late in the season last year, and obviously things have been, have already not worked out for him there in Las Vegas. So I think Sanders is a big upgrade. It's just about can he stay healthy at thirty four. Good information, by the way, on uh, on those inbreaker routes as the intermediate pass becomes a bigger deal throughout the NFL. We're talking to Matt Perino from Syracuse.com, covers the Buffalo Bills. We can continue our Cofield and Company rundown of our staff rankings. It's interesting, Matt, to me, they throw the ball very well. They defend the pass pretty well. They have some big-time players in that secondary. But last year, what we saw, especially with the Monday night game uh, against Kansas City, and then throughout the season on the offensive side of the ball was that running the ball and stopping the run were two areas that uh, the Bills certainly could improve. Uh, what have you seen from them throughout camp in terms of that? They think they think getting back Star Latula is going to help in a lot of those ways. It'll free up guys, like especially behind them, like Tremaine Edmonds, the 23-year-old uh, middle linebacker who's actually entering his fourth year. I mean, it's crazy to think about. Um, he's, he's playing, this is kind of like a contract year for him because he hasn't signed his extension yet. They, they picked up his fifth-year option. Uh, but this is a guy that's gone to two Pro Bowls, and I feel like this could be like a, a coming-out party in a lot of the same ways it was for Josh on the offensive side last year. And so I think that's a big component, getting Star back, the guy that eats the double teams, that's a really good one technique. They like Harrison Phillips behind him. And then you look along this defensive line, and where they faltered last year was you know, they, they weren't able to impact the, the really good quarterbacks enough. I mean, obviously Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they had a really good. They've always had good plans for Lamar Jackson. Go back to 2019. I think um, Josh or Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier do a good job game planning against a guy that really you know runs the ball like he does. But against Mahomes, you know if you can't, as we saw like a week, two weeks later, Tampa Bay got to him. They pressured him. They they flushed him, and then they continued that second wave of pressure. The Bills went out and completely re- reworked their defensive line. They drafted two guys, Greg Rousseau and Boogie Basham. And it's just a preseason. But Rousseau is looking like an absolute steal right now. And you don't want to overreact to it because he hasn't played a real NFL game yet. But at his size and length, he's just a, a problem. He's gone up against Darrell Williams, a guy who you know came over from Carolina last year, had a great year. They signed him to a three-year deal. I thought he probably should have gotten some all-pro consideration. His performance against T.J. Watt in that Pittsburgh Steelers late-season game last year was as good as any offensive line performance. You could put it up against anyone that was that good. Rousseau has been beating him consistently in practice. And so I think that if you add that element off the edge, if Ed Oliver takes a step in the middle, they draft it to be this chaos creator, then I think that not only are you going to be better against the run, but you're going to force teams to really be on the run from the go, their quarterback, to, to be uncomfortable from the start. And in a division with three young quarterbacks, Zach Wilson, Tua, and now Mac Jones, I mean, it's, it seems like a good rest. Let's go uh, by the betting numbers. We always like to close out these spots, talk about the Vegas betting numbers. You confident enough in the Bills and their chances in the AFC East to be laying minus 180 to win the division? You've got Patriots plus 350, Dolphins plus 375, just 20 to 1. Oh, yeah. I mean, to win the division, minus 180, I think uh, I think that's a lock in my opinion. I, I'm, I, I like a lot of what... New England has done. I think defensively, I think all three of these teams actually defensively have made moves this offseason to try to make things much more tougher on Josh Allen and this offense in the division. But I just think that there's too much talent, and I think that if this defense trends towards where it was in 19, 
Uh, they get a couple pieces back. I think they'll be better up front. They forced the fourth most turnovers in the NFL last year. They, they ranked a lot around the middle of the league in sacks. If that gets up into the top ten, you probably expect that turnover number to jump as well. And that's when I think that this team becomes scary when you're giving Josh Allen this offense short field. I, I think that their schedule so – I've, I've heard some national people talking about their, their schedule being tougher. I, I don't see it. I mean, their first four games, I, I think they're going to breeze the 4-0 and and, and set up that – big game with Kansas City. If they if they start off 5-0, and I mean, I think they're off to the races. I'm picking them to win 14 games, and I don't think there's a team in this division that's going to be able to you know, hang with them there. Over-under win total for Buffalo is 11, but you got to pay minus 140 on the over. Yeah, uh, I, like I said, I like uh, I, I like that 14, I, I, and I'm in that 13-14 range. Uh, I think their tough games are Tampa, uh, Kansas City, and Tennessee, and I think that they usually play Tennessee tough. Last year was like a weird game where that game, if you remember, it was COVID. They kept getting pushed back, played on a Tuesday night. And the rest of their schedule, I mean, the Falcons, the, the Panthers, some of the, the Colts, that would be a good game, actually. Colts, I'd throw that in there in, in the tough ones. But I think that I don't see a, a path unless there's a, a massive injury where they don't win at least 12 games. Matt Perino covers the Bills, Syracuse.com. Uh, two years from now, are you moving to Austin or San Antonio? Where are the Bills going to be playing? Wow, you are just dropping bombs. By the way, Matt, I was going to say, uh, how about the retweet I, I saw that you just sent? Uh, all of a sudden, Jerry Jones has a real vested interest in the Bills staying in Buffalo. Oh, it's kind of weird, huh? These other Texas cities <laughs> are rumored, and now Jerry wants to get involved. Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, like, I get it. Like, these things always happen this way, like, you know, especially when you start pushing the buttons at the start of the negotiations. But, man, it would just suck to lose, um, you know, the Bills fan base, I mean, I think that's part of what makes, you know, this whole thing fun. Uh, and now that they're good again, I mean, that's kind of the bitter pill to swallow in all this, is dealing with this ahead of what's probably the biggest season in 30 years around here. So, yeah, it's a bummer. But I, in the end, I think they'll figure it out. The new um, new governor of New York State is from Buffalo, so I think she has a, an interest in keeping it here as well. Uh, just you know, we have so much money here and so many uh, spots to build stadiums and arenas and so many on the way that we may get a second team soon. So we want two teams in the NFL in Vegas. Hey, don't threaten me with a good time. I'm right? getting back to Vegas. <laughs> All right, Matt. Hey, we appreciate it. That was a great spot. Thanks, man. Anytime, guys. Take care. There you go. New stadium, right? New stadium. Jackie Robinson. Move away from the arena plan on the old wet and wild. Let's build another 65,000-seat stadium there. Let's get two NFL teams here, Candy. Come on. Don't you start with me. D- don't you start with me about wet and wild. You're, my childhood is dead on that site right now. I hate it. Coming up next, we were just talking about the AFC and uh, you know ranking teams in the AFC in the top five in the National Football League. Uh, interesting conversation uh, put out there by the Athletic. They talked to a bunch of NFL executives, and looky here, the haters continue. The Raiders are way down in the rankings, according to the NFL executives. What do they know? Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Just his energy, man, is always positive. Like, even on the field, like I was telling guys, like, I don't know if it was like first year with Coach Gus, you know, that they have a coach with him before, but I told him, like, you'll never hear that guy yell unless you mess up on the field and he just told you, you know, something was about to happen. Other than that, you know, he's always positive, man. Like I said, you know, you talk to him. That's him 24-7. Now, 
back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Denzel Perriman, one of many new Raiders. We'll get into the uh, behind the patch report with Adam Hill at 5:30 to talk about all the additions, changes the last week or so with the Raiders. And uh, in just a couple minutes, we'll talk about rankings, another list of rankings of the Raiders in the AFC, and see if all these changes actually convince anyone to move the Raiders up in the AFC rankings. All right, Candy, uh, college football. I don't know if you bet anything tonight, but, uh, you know, we talked about this the last couple of days, uh, North Carolina and VTech. And, you know, I'm going to say it again. This is why there should not be any sort of preseason rankings. They suck. It's based on almost nothing. North Carolina, number 10 in the country, laying five and a half, six against VTech on the road. And they're down 14, nothing. By the way, five and a half, six, which by the time we got to kickoff had flipped basically seven points through uh, to Virginia Tech. So amazing. You know, I mean, look, I, there's a lot of hype around Sam Howell. There's a lot of belief that they can be a team that challenges in the ACC. But here's the thing we talked about this multiple times in the last couple of weeks. Home field advantage is back. And Blacksburg is one of those places where home field advantage is real and it's spectacular. Our big headline story, but we'll hit it here if you haven't heard it. Our big headline story in the 5 o'clock hour is going to be the latest rumors. And they're more than rumors. Because it looks like BYU, Houston, Central Florida, Cincinnati. Come on, ESPN. Misspelled Cincinnati up on the board. Uh are applying for entry into the Big 12. Um, I think there's some interesting things here that they chose to go slightly west with BYU, mostly east, with uh, two of the choices, I guess, directly south. All of a sudden, I'm a compass on air. Uh, you get my point. They uh, didn't come out to pluck anyone in the Mountain West Conference. But I got a lot of feelings about BYU. I think uh, the Big 12, I guess if they're down with it, they've done their investigatory work. Candy, but uh, BYU in your conference is a different sort of challenge, and I'm not talking about on the field. Well, goodbye to your Sunday games. Uh, this is an interesting situation because BYU struck out on its own from the Mountain West, went independent, and I think there were dreams of becoming Notre Dame. <laughs> and yet, last season was the best chance they ever were going to have to be that, yeah. and didn't happen. And they still got smacked and around by the, by the committee. And, and by the Chanticleers uh, yes. of Coastal Carolina. But it, when it comes down to it with BYU, did they win? They kind of did. They're going to yeah. end up in what is still reputedly a Power 5 conference by the time this is all said and done. And so it's a lot easier for BYU than trying to go it on its own by getting into a big-time conference. And frankly, one I know basketball is what, something we all leave behind in these discussions, but they're going to be a competitive basketball team in the Big 12. Craig Thompson still working on the Mountain West part of it? Yeah, as soon as they get that TV deal done, I'm sure. Uh, everything will be uh, taken care of in terms of the Mountain West. I mean, look, th this is what was going to happen all along. Right? What was going to happen is the trickle-down effect you just hoped didn't hit the Mountain West. You hoped that Boise State wasn't the next call. Um, Boise State can still kind of call its own shots in a lot of ways, but very okay. soon the P5 chairs are going to be accounted for. So you're looking at this potentially disappointing that the Big 12 didn't really come west to grab teams, but also a little glass half full that Boise hasn't been robbed from the conference. 
really, if you're going to be realistic about this, what else was going to happen? I mean, from the time San Diego State made that very ill-fated jump to the Big East, talk about an oxymoron, uh, when we did the last round of realignment, then you kind of felt like they were probably out of this discussion. And so what else was left? The Pac-12 decides it's not going to expand. They want to keep the piece of the pie exactly the way they have it as they go about this alliance now. And for the Big 12, the Big 12 decided, okay, well, we're going to try to keep the band together. And what's our most realistic option for adding teams? Well, I like what they did. Cincinnati is one of those schools that could be top 10 on football and basketball in any given season. And look, whether you love BYU or whether you hate them, and there aren't a lot of people in between, then you talk about this BYU juggernaut as it is. It comes with a rabid fan base. They, they travel, they watch, and that's exactly what you get with BYU, whether you get competitive competitiveness on the field or not also some food for thought because picking schools for conferences is just not about what their football program looks like or their basketball program you do want like-minded schools and states in terms of philosophy on diversity so the big 12s hit a home run by adding florida ohio texas and utah congrats All right, AFC rankings, according to a story in The Athletic, talking to NFL executives. What is this blasphemy? Raiders no higher than eight, and as low as 14. One person voted the Raiders 14th in the AFC with the Texans, the Bengals, the Jets in the same conference? What is happening here, Candy? No, I got into journalism to avoid math, but I believe if eight is the highest that the Raiders ranked in any of those executives who were polled, I uh, think that means no one thinks they're a playoff team because there are only seven who get into the playoffs. Eight, 10, 12, 13, and 14. This is the quote that they selected for the little blurb about the Raiders from one of the five voters. Quote, I could talk to you for hours on my opinion on the Raiders and how they have botched roster management and resource allocation. Everything that I feel like is wrong and how not to run a team, I feel like it's been done there. They have invested in safeties, gone out in free agency, and spent on linebackers, traded away elite talent going back years. Wow. Um, it goes back to what we've talked about. That if you're going to give John Gruden full control, then you take the good, which is his ability to run an offense, with the bad, which is seemingly everything else about running a franchise. Did you write out your top 16? I didn't really need to write out my top 16. I mean, do you want to ask me who you're welcome to ask me oh. any team who I think are they ahead of or behind the Raiders? I'll give my 16 to one. You ready? Texans, okay. Jaguars, Jets, Bengals. That's 16 to 13. Broncos, Patriots, Steelers, Colts, Dolphins, Raiders, seven. Let's go. How many of those teams you want to go one-on-one -on -one with? You want the state of the Steelers, the state of the Colts, the state of the Dolphins, who you said you think are going to maybe take a step forward this year? Dolphins, uh, Dolphins are a clear playoff team if they take a step forward this year. Yes. You, sir, you, sir, are, I, I guess it's true, you are the sunshine man. <laughs> On. The Texans, the Jaguars, the Jets, the Bengals are all six wins or worse. 
the Broncos are essentially are in the same position they were in a year ago. Poor quarterback play and a coach who's in over his head. The Patriots just punted on actually winning the AFC by going with a rookie quarterback. The Steelers have a quarterback who's 200 years old, not a great offensive line, and a diminished defense. The Colts have Carson Wentz and uh, his lack of availability. Yeah, they're all behind the Raiders. The Colts are fundamentally better than the Raiders at, I'd say, just about every position yeah, except most, quarterback. the most important position! Fair. Okay. Uh, if Ben Roethlisberger is, I don't know, thinner and healthy, then I think he's on <laughs> par with Derek Carr, and I think that roster is still in pretty good shape all in all. Yeah. Uh, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Bengals, the Jaguars, look, I get it most of those teams are going to finish behind the Raiders. Ultimately, if you ask me right now, I'd say the Raiders are probably about nine or 10. I'm higher on the offense than a lot of people are, right. um, but I'm probably as low on the defense as anybody could be. I will say if you were to fire a, a touche at me when, you know, I'm, I'm looking at quarterback as a primo position uh, when it comes to the Raiders as high as number seven in the AFC, the Colts, the Steelers, the Patriots. I like John Gruden, but all three of those teams have guys. I trust more at head coach. Yeah, and uh, Bill Belichick is also someone you trust more at GM. So you know, the, the Patriots ultimately are in a spot where they have a similar situation in terms of the coach being the one who manages the roster as well. I, I'm going to tell you this. If if one of those teams you mentioned, if one of those teams like your New York football Jets mm -hmm. or the Jacksonville Jaguars finish with the same amount of wins as the Raiders this year, or let's say within one, Ugh. I won't be shocked at all. Oh, really? Uh, giveaway time, 364-1100, Caller 11, you will win a Port of Subs football tailgate tray, and you qualify to win a new Yeti cooler. The giveaway is brought to you by our friends at Port of Subs and also Finley Volvo Cars in Las Vegas. 364-1100, Port of Subs football tailgate tray. Caller 11, 364-1100. Want to be part of the show? Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already. Congrats to uh, Dave Davis, winner of our Port of Subs football tailgate Trey giveaway has got a chance to uh, win a Yeti cooler as well. Can do you ever go to school with anyone uh, along those lines of Dave Davis? Uh, no, I did not. Nothing? No one with the, uh, the, the first and last name matching up, basically? No, I, I mean, I once worked with a guy named Pedro Taco Taco. Shut up. That was a nickname. It wasn't Taco Taco. On the name tag. <laughs> so it's printed official. by human resources <laughs> where I worked. That's official. No, printed by printed by HR, very large corporation okay. where I worked in this city. Uh, I went to school with a Brian O'Brien. That's intense. Yeah. Yes. What, what what what's the nickname? O'Brien Brian? Like what what's called? Well, that was the, that was the real name, Brian O'Brien. I you know fine. I know. I realize. I'm just <laughs> saying. Like, good. To troll them in some way, like, no. or or is this just like name someone you went to school with? Day, I was very mature as a youth. I did not mock on anyone. Oh yeah. Oh, I I would expect nothing less. 
This has all been a recent development. But I think it's all coming around. I'm yes. going to stop working on people. I will. I, trust me, I will. Really? Yes. You I had hope a, you enjoyed that radio show you had for a while. I know, right? Uh, you had a great question, and it, it really stymied me because um, I'm not a massive fad, uh, fast food person, but um, apparently there are stories out there, and we saw it happen during COVID where you know most dining rooms were closed at fast food joints, and now what was the norm during COVID shutdown may become the norm moving forward, and we can't actually sit there and, you know, I get the meats. I can't eat it in Arby's. What's going on here? I'm sorry. You, sir, are restricted to only one comment in that vein. You are only allowed to say 21 pounds of meat. Yeah, Other than that, point. you're not allowed to say anything about I have the meats. <laughs> you, you stop right there. Uh, Chick-fil-A closed a couple thousand uh, really? its dining rooms, and they're, de- and they're debating whether or not they want to reopen them. It was a COVID development, and it got me thinking, what was the last time I actually sat down in a fast food restaurant to eat pre-COVID? Like, when was the last time I thought to myself, this is where I want to consume the food? Like, if I'm on a road trip, I just want to get it in the car and go. I don't oh, want really? to waste time sitting. No. I mean, what, sit somewhere else? If I'm going to sit somewhere, I might as well be sitting in a moving car getting where I'm going. Road trip? Uh, oh, oh, that kind of road trip. Okay. Because I was thinking uh, the road trips that you do as a broadcaster, those are actually the times I will sit. In a fast food place, I'll go grab a fast food meal if it's within walking distance of a hotel, uh, bring a computer and prep a little bit. I like the fast food dining room. Uh, there are sights to behold and goodies to enjoy. Uh, agreed on the second. Uh, love to know what sights it is you, sir, are trying to enjoy. Um, I guess all of that maturity about mocking people has gone out the window. Uh, yeah, I don't know that I've ever really thought to myself, this is the place I want to sit. I'll give you an example. Uh, there is a Chick-fil-A not far from where uh, we usually stayed going to Colorado State. And even when it was like cold and snowy oh, and terrible. That's right. I still grabbed my food and brought it back to the hotel because sitting in the hotel lobby still seemed preferable to sitting next to the ball pit. There's a Taco John's right near that hotel. I love God. that. That might have been the last place I sat and had a meal. Those little potato things. You get like 500 of them. It's great. Hot coffee and a, and a breakfast burrito. Let's go. So put your money where your mouth is, Cofield. Go sit inside some fast food dining rooms around Las Vegas. Uh, I'm, I'm in too much of a hurry when I'm here. That's the problem. See, this is actually, mm. this is sort of a depressing deal. We don't have to live our lives on the run. Can we not take 20 freaking minutes to sit there at a fast food joint and enjoy the food? Would you really still enjoy it the same way, though? Like, I want to, if I am within, say, 10 minutes of home, and I'm probably going to wait till at least I'm within that 10 minutes of home to stop for the food, I'm going to bring it home and just enjoy it at home. Hmm. It, it, why would I want to sit inside a place that exposes me to all of the things I hate, which includes weird people and fluorescent lights and inconsistent drink performance, and I could go home and control all of those elements? Hmm. Well, next Sunday, if I could find a place before we host the uh, Westgate preview show for uh, the NFL with uh, John Murray and company, I would, I'd, I'd love to sit and have a nice fast food dining experience at 645 in the morning, but I don't know if I can uh-huh. do it anymore. Hmm. Yeah. You're, no. 
You're delivering. No, I, have, I, have I have I ruined it for you? I'll tell you what. Bit. You you bring the egg McMuffins, and we'll sit in the Westgate parking lot. And I get I guarantee you, you will still get all of the sights you want to see sitting in the Westgate parking lot at six forty five on Sunday morning. That's a good point. Uh, we start. Our show on 9, 12, 8 a.m. will be out there. John Murray will be with us. And guess what? He's with us here in five minutes. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betty with John Murray. All right, here we go. Cofield, Candy, Ari, John Murray. What's up, John? How are you, buddy? I'm good, Steve. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm real good. I'm nervous, man. We got another year on tap. Our NFL preview show on Sunday mornings. We're so glad the Westgate has chosen to uh, bring us back. Very excited for next week's start. Very excited. And I'm very excited to talk about the Super Contest, which I think you guys have done, and I'm serious about this, a brilliant job of changing things up. So those of us who may go through a couple of tough weeks in the contest still have life throughout the season. Absolutely. You know, we've got nine in-season contests now within the, the overall contest. So week four, we'll start a new three-week contest. Week seven, we'll start a new three-week contest and a new six-week contest. You're really getting ten contests. All you got to do is buy in once, one-time fee of 1000 bucks, and you're good to go all season long. And if you blow up the first few weeks, it's, it's no big deal because you've got a chance to make money, wipe the slate clean, early and often throughout the season. We should mention, and I, I, I uh, beg your forgiveness if uh, you already mentioned it, we should mention that the uh, price has dropped a little bit too. Yeah, we, we, we knocked it down from 1500 to $1,000, and all the, all the money that's coming in is going to be paid out to the players. There's no administrative fee. I think it's good. I, we've gotten really, really positive response from people to the new Super Contest wrinkles that we put in for 2021. So uh, we're expecting to do pretty good business. They told me that uh, they hit 1,300 entries early this morning. Nice. And I saw a lot of people signing up uh, when I was out there a little while ago. So I think the the last week there's always a big rush. You know that. So we're expecting to have some pretty good numbers this year. For procrastinators like myself, the deadline is? Next Saturday, I wouldn't recommend that, Steve. You know, even for the even for a procrastinator, uh, I'm also a procrastinator. I haven't signed up for any of the contests that I'm going to do either. So I'm, I don't want to I don't want to stand uh, up here and, and talk down to people. But don't wait too long. Saturday at three o'clock is the deadline. Next Saturday, which I believe is the 11th of September, but you don't want to wait that long. If you don't get hundreds and hundreds of people to sign up next week, are you guys going to have a massive overlay? Uh, no, we, we won't have an overlay. We, we, we've gotten enough. Uh, we've gotten enough entries to cover all the in-season prizes. Uh, I know that that's a popular thing to market overlays, but I'm not going to mislead the people, Steve. I'm not like that. Uh, there, there, there won't be an overlay. Okay. John Murray's with us. Westgate. Can we talk some college football? Sure. I love college football. I'm watching college football. In my office right now, I'm watching a barn burner here between North Carolina and Virginia Tech. Yes, I just made sure to jump on the value. Maybe not. Uh, North Carolina plus seven and a half in play. Uh, the Tar Heels have not gotten off to a good start, and uh, they were highly touted with a big-name quarterback on the squad. Yeah, well, he, he was a guy that I saw I saw in these mock drafts that they put out. It's hilarious when they do these mock drafts for next year right after the previous year's draft. Yeah. I saw Sam Howell going as like a top three pick. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a long season ahead of us, of course. We're talking on September 3rd, but a dubious beginning to uh, Sam Howell's uh, Heisman campaign here at 
Virginia Tech up 14 to nothing. North Carolina just got the ball back 11 minutes to go in the third quarter. John, we know a lot of people will be focused on the Georgia and Clemson game tomorrow. What's your read on the game, and uh, what have you guys seen in terms of the action so far? We saw some sharp guys taking taking Georgia when it was over three at them. They were taking four, taking three and a half with the Bulldogs. Now that the, the line has settled a little bit at Clemson minus three, it's a really good two-way game. There's a lot of money coming in, both those teams. I, I don't know that I can remember a better week one matchup in college football. I, I, I can't recall ever having two top five teams playing against each other. I think one year Alabama and Florida State played on this day, but and Florida State was ranked really high, but we all knew that Alabama was going to kill them. Whereas in this game tomorrow, this Georgia-Clemson game really could go either way. Major implications for the college football playoff. Uh, I'm excited. I think tomorrow I think tomorrow's going to be a huge day of college football at the Westgate. And speaking of Alabama, uh, they open with Miami in a game that I know uh, earlier on was probably more 16-17, has moved out beyond that uh, in favor of Alabama. Are, are you guys expecting the usual Alabama crush uh, before kickoff? And uh, what yeah. do you think of their prospects against Miami? You know, you, all, you always get this onslaught of Alabama, Alabama thrown into parlays. The number on Alabama has been pushed up a little bit. Like you mentioned, it was like 16.5, 17. We're at 19.5 right now, and I, I don't think it would be surprising at all if it went even higher than that. Another really popular option, people like to lay Alabama first half in these situations. We've got Alabama minus 11 in the first half. The people that don't want to lay 20 points in the game – Sometimes they'll just play the first half because, hey, why not? It's easy to cover an 11-point spread in the first half. Beyond that, I want to dig into a game that might not be uh, as popular, but I know out here we'll be paying close attention to with the Nevada Wolfpack taking on Cal, and we get our first look at what could be a really, really good uh, Wolfpack offense. Uh, What do you think about the Nevada side? What do you think about their uh, ability to maybe make some noise this year? We've seen some money actually come in against the Wolfpack in that game so far. A lot of tickets on Cal. Not enough to to move the needle, to to have us move the number. The number is is settled in at Cal minus three. It's staying at Cal minus three for now. But it looks like right now the the Superbook, the Westgate at least, is going to be rooting for Nevada. Most of the supports come in on, uh, on the Golden Bears. John Murray's with us, Westgate. So let's go uh, rapid fire. We'll bang through a bunch of games uh, beyond the ones we just talked about. Uh, where are the Sharps? Are they on it at all uh, on this Wisconsin-Penn State game? The number seems big to me, five and a half Penn State dogs. Haven't seen anything in that game that, that I would really, uh, I'd really classify as sharp money, at least not here. But Penn State looks like they're a semi-popular dog. We actually need Wisconsin right now. Wisconsin minus five in that game. Looks to be the marquee game of that morning in the 9 a.m. slate. We need the dog right now. That might change. we got a long way to go between now and tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., but for, for now we're rooting for the Badgers. Mm, a little more hardcore in the Big Ten, Indiana, Iowa. Uh, numbers starting to move to four on Iowa. Yeah, and that's where the money the money's really showing up on Iowa in that game. We went to three and a half, four, briefly touched four and a half, back to four, Iowa minus four in that game. Indiana's uh, getting a little bit of hype in this preseason, though, so we'll see. that. that that should be a decent two-way game for us. This is super hardcore in the Big Ten. Illinois has got the game under their belt. Uh, UTSA is actually a UNLV opponent. I have no idea if anyone's playing this game. I see it's dropped down by about a point. Illinois is four and a half, five. 
Yeah, we're at five right now. We were at Illinois seven. That was the highest we got, but the money came in on UTSA. I guess the betters are thinking Illinois win last Saturday had more to do with the ineptness of Nebraska and Scott Frost than uh, was a feather in the cap of the Illini. Boy, I've seen uh, several betting shows today with uh, betting experts and newly minted betting experts. <laughs> Loving UCLA. I immediately yeah. went to my phone app, LSU. I took them minus two and a half. Well, UCLA is, is such a is, is a bit of a trendy, like quasi uh, sharp guy play mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, we've had a lot of money come in on LSU. I mean, I know that Clemson Georgia is the big game tomorrow, and it'll probably end up being the biggest handle game when all said and done. But for now, we've got more money on that LSU UCLA game than any other game on the board. We need UCLA big. I hope those newly minted gambling experts are right. <laughs> as much as I would like to joke about them. This time, I hope that they're right, because it looks like we're going to need UCLA pretty big in that game. Tons of volume in that game. Really, you've got two games tomorrow night. Georgia-Clemson, UCLA-LSU, with a lot of action, close point spreads. It could be a monster night. If I want to bet Arizona, I'm guessing I should wait until tomorrow afternoon, because they're expecting over at Allegiant like forty-five to 50,000 BYU fans. Uh, right now, the number's 12.5. What are you seeing in terms of the betting on this one? I think you're right. I mean, we've got uh, we've got about a five, uh, six to one tick account on BYU. The only thing that would cause that number to go the other way would be if a really sharp group came in on Arizona. That obviously could happen between now and tomorrow night. But the public is going to be on BYU. Look at the time slot too. That's a late game, seven thirty kickoff here in Las Vegas. All the parlays are going to be running from the morning and the afternoon into those night games, especially a night game like BYU. Unless some wise guy group comes in on Arizona. That number is going to go up for sure. If you're going to the game, you might want to wait and bet on Arizona at the end. John Murray, Superbook USA. One more time, John, give a pop to the contest. They, uh, the contestants have to get in by uh, the end of next week, but uh, it's back. It's better than ever. You guys have broken it up. This thing is awesome. And we dropped USA. You know, we're just Superbook now. God, I, uh, yeah. I'm always behind we the got, curve we dropped, on this. We dropped USA. We're just we're the artist formerly known as Superbook USA. There you we're, go. Okay. We're, <laughs> or if you want to just call us Superbook, that works too. Super contest. Sign up right now. We're open until midnight tonight. Midnight tomorrow. Eleven every other night. All the way up until Saturday at three o'clock. For you procrastinators out there, don't recommend doing that. Five picks a week against the spread. Nine in-season contests. Ten contests for the price of one going to be good. I can't wait for I can't believe I'm saying this. I can't wait for next weekend and NFL to be back. August was boring, man. I'm ready to get back to business. Uh, there will be a special appearance. He'll uh, he'll do the uh, Sunday morning football show. Adam Hill will make a special appearance on the opening show. You must be thrilled about that. Absolutely tremendous. I hope that I get to be on that show. I think Jay Cornegay is going to do week do that week oh, one that's show. That's right. That's right. And when when I tell him that Adam's going to be there in person, I I, I got a feeling I'm going to get bumped, but I'll come watch. I'll come be one of the gallery uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll take a peek and listen in. Uh, in the end, you know that Adam, when he's on, Adam Hill, he programs the show. So uh, I don't know how your summer conversations went. You guys break bread a lot. I don't know where the relationship is right now. I hope it's good. It's great, and I can't wait to a season of making Josh Allen jokes at Adam's expense. <laughs> Football's what, back, baby! For me, for me, one of the highlights yes. of the football season is listening to Adam, yes. the mental gymnastics he does to explain why Josh Allen is not a great player. Just, just a, Always a highlight of, yes. any, of any NFL season. Yes, last year a miracle season by Josh Allen <laughs> after two yeah. horrific years. That's the way he's putting it now. Uh, he's a real stiff, that Josh Allen. <laughs> hopefully, he write, <laughs> hopefully he writes the ship this this season for the Bills fans out there. Thanks, John.
All right, guys. There he is, John Murray. The Super Contest is one of the best contests in town. It is the original contest, and I think what they've done here, uh, breaking it up, is really cool for the contestants. Uh, coming up, boy, oh, boy, if you think the uh, the Raiders' decision on the fully vaxxed thing is going to kill them, you got to see the packages they're offering for fans to come travel to town and watch the games. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.